to the Daily Regrounding Podcast, a space where together we can step into and steep in the natural world around us. Through interviews with experts in life, health, and business, as well as some solo regrounding riffs, we'll create mindful moments and deep breaths, allow for perspective and pause, and ultimately feel more connected and deeply content. I am your host, Meredith Ewinson. Let's dive in. All right, welcome to this episode of the Daily Regrounding Podcast. And I am so excited to have two folks on today, Megan McGill and Kara Miller of Simply Seasonal. And Kara and Megan are the creators of the Simply Seasonal Cooking Show, where they teach simple ways to use seasonal food to balance, heal, and thrive. And when they met, Megan was a natural food chef and holistic health coach working in Houston, health coaching, and starting her own herbal tea company, Modern Sage. Kara spent years with personal clients, leading cooking classes, and running an online program for her health coaching business, Taking Care of You. I love that name. Uh, And after years of running their own businesses, they collaborated and created the Simply Seasonal Cooking Show. And through their backgrounds in traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, they came to the conclusion that healing can be found through seasonal eating. They are, they are a cooking show that goes deeper into the healing energies of food, and they look to tradition and go back to ways humans have evolved and healed over thousands of years using food. So through the Simply Seasonal Cooking Show, Kara and Megan are able to offer short and fun weekly episodes to shape, to share simple tips to incorporate healing seasonal foods throughout the year. So welcome guys. So good to have you. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to be here. Of course. So I'll give a little bit of context here. So Megan, uh, so Kara, I've just met, which is so lovely because of course I've heard so much about you and I've followed you guys, you know, through all that you've been doing with Simply Seasonal since the beginning. Uh, But Megan and I went to college together. So we've known each other for, I don't know, dare I say like over a decade now. Um, So we've known each other for a long time. She's a really, really good friend of mine and definitely someone that I always look to when it comes to healthy eating, um, holistic lifestyle, and just general natural wellness tips. Um, You know, they'll both talk a little bit more about kind of their background and how they got into what they're doing now. But um, I really do. Um, I am really super excited to chat with both of you today because I know there's so much wisdom that you can offer. Uh, and I'm super excited to have you. Yeah, thanks, Maren. I mean, the same is, is true for me as well. It's just so nice to have someone like yourself to go back and forth on kind of these topics. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a life study, you know, so there's so many different avenues within it you know, whether you're doing meditation and yoga and essential oils and like, you know, yourself or food related, you know, there's just so many aspects of it. It's so dynamic. And that's just something really cool. I think we can talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually, would you both mind starting a little bit with um, like where you like, what was your, was it a light bulb moment? Was it an evolution? Like what brought you to food? First of all, I'll start with that because um, my issues, I, I think that everybody finds their own path and their own time. 
um, usually has to do with with sickness, with healing, with their own personal experience, or maybe trying even to heal a parent or, you know, looking for solutions um, in other ways. Um, so I've had a whole health journey from very young and um, food was something that totally turned everything around for me. I've always resisted modern medicine, except when it's there to save my life. And then I'm really grateful for it. Um, but I've always done my best. And I guess I was raised that way. My parents were always that way. Um, just trying to do what we can. And um, food is really something that really flipped the switch for me um, in my healing journey. So um, I know how to control my issues. I know, you know, when something's going wrong, I, I know what I'm doing wrong and I can use my food to help me get back on track. And um, so, I mean, that was just something I wanted to share with other people. So that's what got me into it. And I had always kind of, you know, since I was even a little kid, I just remember always questioning things like margarine or Diet Coke or, you know, these things that were constantly, of course, as children kind of given to you, pushed on you. And I always wondered, why don't people just eat the real thing? Like, if you want butter, eat butter. If you want sugar, eat sugar. You know, why are we doing this fake stuff? And so I always questioned it. I was always very aware. Um, my parents cooked very healthy. So I grew up in a very healthy household, which was very fortunate. Um, and so I was really interested in that, also interested in the food aspect, thinking, okay, well, maybe I want to go culinary. Maybe I want to really become involved with food. So um, after I dove into my studying at college, where Meredith and I both went, um, I really studied the food system, the economics of food, the politics of food, um, our pharmaceutical companies, the chemical companies. And I saw this huge spider web of everything that was together and why we have the health problems we have in our country today. And that was just my big awakening of like, yes, this makes sense. This is why we are struggling. This is why we are sick. Um, it's a cycle that makes us sick and keeps us sick just for profits, right? Mm. So I became really interested in that, but then also like, okay, so the solution is to go back to basics. The solution is to go back to food, this bigger perspective, lifestyle practices, you know, this more holistic perspective. So I went to culinary school that was focused on health and healing in New York City um, and kind of took it from there, dove into Chinese medicine and um, just kind of really focused on food and and lifestyle and just how that can work for you um, and how ancient wisdom has always been so pretty spot on, which has yeah. been really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Kara, it sounds like for you, it started with like something you were working on for yourself and then it was so helpful and so impactful and so meaningful for you that then you needed to share it. You needed to learn more. You needed to get more education and, and turn it into a business. And for Megan, were you just like, genuinely curious was it something were you someone who really had something in your heart that you really wanted to help people and this was the way you wanted to help people like what was the impetus for that curiosity for you well I think even as a kid I I thought I wanted to be a doctor but then I was like well I don't like giving shots and I don't like blood <laughs> and to this day I also don't like those things so I didn't know back then that there was this option, right? Because you were just told about the medical system. 
So I kind of put those things aside, but still was so curious about health and food always. And of course, you know, nutritionists came to my mind and all that stuff because you heard that a little bit more often. So once I started kind of exploring it, it kind of opened itself up. And then the more I learned, I saw how big this topic was and, um, and really this back to basics approach. And that's what Kara and I realized between both of our perspectives within this huge, you know, umbrella of holistic understanding that, you know, these seasons is really where this underlying rhythm and energy and healing can really come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then how did you two meet? How did Simply Seasonal happen? Give us the story. (laughs) Well, kind of a fun story. (laughs) Basically it was through our dogs. Um, So I was outside morning I was like in my pajamas I looked like junk just like in sweatpants and all of a sudden started trimming my jasmine and I'm like sweating and it's 90 degrees out and I'm just like sad and clipping things and Megan's dog Bodie walks up to my fence and looks just like my Napoleon that had passed away two weeks earlier and was just looking at me and I was like hi baby and so we started chatting and I asked Megan I remember asking Megan a question and she answered it exactly how I would have answered it just like you know well I actually just you know like I work for myself and I can be anywhere or whatever you know like she said something like that and I'm like what do you do? You know, she's like, Oh, I'm a holistic health coach. I'm like, yeah, so am I, you know? So, and when we started chatting, um, you know, cause my, my passion really was, went towards Ayurveda. Um, that was something that really spoke to me in my schooling. Like that was the one, um, practice that I drew out and just wanted to learn more. I, I obsessed over it. I thought it was just so cool. It just really spoke to me. And then when, um, and Megan really draws towards the Chinese medicine And when we started talking, we're just like, oh my God, this is the same thing. It's kind of like religion, right? Like it's all the same thing and it's all just working towards peace and love, but like in a different language. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of how we realized these two traditions were, you know, like, oh, they're all working towards like in the fall, they're all working towards grounding and they're all working on respiratory and they're all working on the gut healing. And, but they put it into different terms and different aspects. And um, so we realized, oh, this is all the same thing. And it's all the saying, like, eat what your farmer's growing down the street and Mm -hmm. you'll be healthy. So, So, yeah, it's really cool. (laughs) So they both lend themselves to the holistic picture, right? Which, like, it seems like both of you, and I know this is how I have been in a lot of, um, you know, what I've done with yoga and meditation and food and just everything I've been involved in is starting with an interest and a curiosity and just beginning to learn and then continuing to learn and one door opens another and then you start going down that path and you start to learn and see how things are really more connected than maybe you realize and then maybe you meet someone you learn something they know and then that kind of opens and expands your awareness of how um how that can be connected and and also kind of maybe take you down a slightly different path learning another angle of something that that you're interested in so megan if you know, I do want to touch on both the traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and how both of those apply to and kind of work synergistically with seasonal eating. So maybe Megan first, will you tell us a little bit about traditional Chinese medicine, like kind of the basics of like, what is it? How does it apply to food? Um, Tell us a little bit about that. 
Sure. Yeah. So pretty much all ancient um, holistic modalities are looking um, at the energy of food, the earth, the body. Um, so in Ayurveda, you know, you see the chakras, you know, and if any of you do yoga, you may see it in a yoga studio. And so those are like the different colors that correspond with the different areas of the body and chakra means a, a circle, a cycle. Um, so it's this rotation and, and one of the things that just in our modern world, we've become very detached from ourselves, from the earth. Um, so these things aren't as common to maybe feel or to notice or to see like they were um, when we were very in touch with the earth and with our bodies. So you, people could actually see it. They could feel these energy bodies within the body. So that's Ayurveda. You know, they have um, these seven chakras that go up the body. Um, in Chinese medicine, they saw meridians throughout the body, right? So in acupuncture, they use those meridians. So, um, and scientifically too, you can look at that just as the electronic pathways um, with our nervous system, right? Um, so they knew all of this thousands and thousands of years ago because they were very in tune with what was going on. Um, and in being in tune with that kind of energy, they could recognize that energy out in nature as well, whether it was the type of season, what was growing, the different plants that they could say, oh, this is going to heal this part of the body because there's that energy there. And um, something that we talk about a lot is the doctrine of signatures, which is that theory that certain plants and foods look like certain parts of the, of the body, like a walnut will look like the brain. Um, so, and then scientifically we know, oh, they're high in omega-3s. Of course, that's good for the brain. But when you just look at the basics, you can start to see, oh, this is how, because that same energy that the earth took to grow it, we evolved alongside these plants and animals as well that we're gonna have that same energy for those parts of the body and they tend to look like each other and you know all of that. Um, then you go into Chinese medicine, it's very similar. Looking at the seasons, they actually have something called the five elements. So they actually throw a fifth season in there, which is kind of this Indian summer that we're kind of in right now. Um, and so it actually really addresses, which is interesting, kind of more of the modern conditions like diabetes, the pancreas, insulin, things like that. So that organ system is really taken a look at at this time of year. Um, squashes, uh, yellow and orange colored foods really nourish that. Um, so colors is a big thing too, like the, the chakras, the different colors, that wavelength pattern correlates with the different energies of the body. Same with different in Chinese medicine, different organ systems have those different energies so those colors, those types of vibrations will help heal those organs as well. That is just so fascinating to me that there, and it shouldn't be that unusual feeling that there is a direct correlation with our bodies, with nature and with food, right? <laughs> like we're all from the same source. We all should be super uh, connected and in tune, but I feel like it has become so easy to feel really removed from food, to feel removed from nature. And I think those practices of traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, um, and eating seasonally and have, and creating, uh, a lifestyle around those can be so impactful and, and really help you feel so much more grounded in like who you are as a human being, um, you know, and feel even less stressed and just feel more connected to the greater whole, you know? 
Absolutely. And something that we love to hear from viewers and clients and things like that is they have a lot of these aha moments where it's something that they innately knew deep, deep down that kind of comes to the surface and they go, oh, wow, that resonates. Yes. So a lot of the stuff that we say, sometimes we're like, this isn't groundbreaking, like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's just so basic. so basic <laughs> that like it all of a sudden clicks and people mm-hmm. go, oh. And so a lot of we're, we have a lot of noise around health, a lot of noise mm-hmm. around food. We don't really know how to navigate that. Um, and that's obviously been in our advertising and what's mm-hmm. been going on in the last 50 years or so. So it's sometimes really hard for us to see through that and to think that we know what to do for our health. But once we kind of start to bring it back to that basic level, we go, oh shoot, I knew that. Or of course that makes sense. Or no wonder when I eat that, or, you know, I do this, I feel better. So that's kind of the cool thing about it is it brings everyone back to that, that intuition. Everyone knows the right answer Mm -hmm. already. And so it helps you really tap into it. I, uh, yesterday I was cooking something and I cut open the bottom of a bok choy, like just cut the root off the bottom. And I mean, I wish I had it right here because it's just like, you know, one of those things, like you slice it open and I'm like, oh my God, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was so symmetrical. I mean, it looked like a flower, like it was unfolding this flower. And I'm like, how did nature do that? That is just so, it's so perfect in every way. It was the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And um, there's that innate nature thing where it's just like, you can't, you know, drink bok choy juice and get the same feeling like from a bot get at the store in a bottle or it's been processed or powdered or whatever where there's the disconnect right but like when I chopped that open and I was just like wow this is so pretty and it just made me respect it so much Mm. and I couldn't wait to like cook it so beautifully and get it into me and and there's and we like to talk about synergy right so it's like this perfect it's not just the bok choy itself it's not just me myself but it's like when this all comes together it creates this energy and this chemistry that you can only get from taking those raw elements and bringing them together um so so beautiful we just love to look at nature like that yes so beautiful i feel like there's so many things i want to unpack a little bit more um specifically here um One is something Megan, and I want to get back to that kind of energetics of food and the practice and the ritual of food and the appreciation and the mindfulness of food, which is, I think what you were sort of getting to there. I definitely, I just got like tingles in my, on my head, just like (laughs) even thinking about that because it is such a beautiful sacred practice that I think has truly been lost. So I want to talk about that, but Megan, you mentioned something that I want to touch on a little bit more, which are which is something I think is super fascinating that I learned from you, which is the doctrine of signatures. And you mentioned it, but for anyone who's not familiar at all with that, I want to touch on that a little bit more because if you're someone who is um, maybe wanting to create and develop a little bit more of a relationship with the food that you're eating, maybe that, that you're growing, maybe that you're finding at the farmer's market, Um, I think that's a really good way to kind of build that connection is to kind of understand what is this food here to teach me? What is this food here to show me? What is this food here to heal me? So talk to me a little bit more about the doctrine of signatures, maybe give some examples. I know apples that's seasonal right now, I believe 
still. Um, so could you just, either of you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, like I was saying, it's, um, kind of nature's way of showing you patterns, um, whether they come in, you know, literally a shape, a form, a color that mimics a pattern somewhere else. And, um, and like I said, because we've evolved alongside, um, the same energies, the same nutrients, the same, you know, everything that it takes to create that has created alongside. So we just know, almost intuitively and visibly that that is going to help that part of the body. Um, you know, and like I said, it could go into colors too. So, you know, fall, we have a lot of these orange, yellow, red colors that are more of those grounding chakras, right? So we know that's going to be nourishing that grounding element of the body. Um, but yeah, you know, just going back to the way that food looks. Um, and this is also when we talk about the different seasons, we say, these are the foods of the season, they kind of, they naturally grow, right? They naturally store better. So a lot of winter time is about storing what preserves well, um, you know, something like beans, um, literally some of them are called kidney beans. They look like kidneys. They are incredible for the kidneys. Beans are really easy to dry and store. So they're perfect food to eat during the winter. In Chinese medicine, winter is a season of the kidneys, right? So that's an example of a type of food that correlates with a season that also correlates with an organ system. And they're very, very grounding, right? They're dense. They need to be cooked. They can't be eaten raw. Um, so it's going to have more of that grounding energy to it. Then you look at a tomato in summertime, and that has literally different ventricles, just like the heart has four different uh, or chambers, four different chambers. Um, it's red, right? It's going to have something to do probably with the blood. It's very cooling, right? They're, they're nice and crisp and cold and you can, you can eat them raw. And the heart loves to be cooled down because one of the most dangerous conditions in the body is to have a heart that is overheated and inflamed. And that is a very common condition in our modern world. Um, so that helps cool the body down. So then we look at that season two of summer and go, okay, in Chinese medicine, it's the season of the heart all of those cooling vegetables, the cucumber, the lettuce, you know, all these bell peppers, it's going to cleanse and cool the body down, which is going to help support the heart. And we move into, you know, the, the fall where we are kind of right now. Um, and you can look to other foods, like something like a, a cauliflower, right? So if you cut open a cauliflower, it's white. We're going to talk probably a bit more about this, but that's more of a pungent kind of clearing energy. And when you cut a cauliflower in half, you look at it and it actually looks like the ventricles and the bronchioles in the lungs. So cauliflower is incredible for supporting the lungs and Chinese medicine season of the lungs. So um, in the fall, so this is just how naturally the earth is giving you what you need right then and there. You can basically confirm it through the shapes and the patterns and the colors, um, which the doctrine of signatures talks about. And then now we start to understand why and how it's actually healing the body. That's super cool. And I think that actually is probably a really, um, could be a really fun exercise to do with like little kids too. If you want to teach about food, you know, showing them, look, cut the apple in half, see how it looks like 
lungs as well, which is a great, you know, apples are in season right now. I've learned all of this for Meg. Um, apples are in season right now. You look at, at the shape of it and it shows the shape of the lungs. So, um, you know, they're really good to eat this time of year. So yeah, Kara, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to go more into that energetic um, aspect because as we do move into, I mean, just talking about grounding in the fall and how all the vegetables start to become harder and denser and actually grow in the ground. So it's like more of those nutrients are compact, they're dense, um, as opposed to a leafy green that's flexible and, you know, easy. It just you know, wants to be eaten raw, it's, um, you know, it's more cooling. And so we look to more of those vegetables when we need to be cooled off in the summer, right? So um, the energetics can really, um, just the, the property of what we're eating can tell us what it's doing for us. Um, and in the fall time, just going a little into Ayurveda, um, this is Vata season and um, Vata is basically uh, air and space. Um, and if you, you know, here in Texas, we have to pay very close attention um, to see the subtleties of fall because it's not very apparent here um, all the time. And one of the big things is that the wind really starts to pick up. And so, you know, we don't necessarily have that big color change, but we have these subtleties in the wind and that's a big indication of fall. Um, and that's a lot of what can start going on up here in the head. We can be nervous, we can be anxious, we can be, um, you know, just forgetful um, and just kind of get caught up up here. And this is where that grounding is really, really important um, to kind of bring down our energy, to calm our mind um, and just counteract that, you know, all that wind and movement that's going on in the season. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. So you can look to what are the seasonal foods. So even if you're feeling, like you said, kind of up in your head, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, food can be one of your natural tools in your toolbox, part of your kind of holistic lifestyle toolkit, if you will. Food can be one that you can look to and say, okay, I need to ground down. I need to relax. I need to feel settled. You know, maybe there are essential oils you use. Maybe there's herbs you use. Maybe there's meditation or breathwork practices, but also what are you eating? Are you eating certain things that are supporting that um, feeling in your mind, your body, your spirit, and your soul that you, that you're craving and that you need right now? So I love that. I would, um, I would be even brave to say it's not just one other thing. It like is the thing. I mean, everything we put in our body yeah. is either helping us or hurting us. And so it is your choice when you go to figure out what you need to eat today right now. Um, it's always going to be either exasperating a problem or helping a problem wherever you're at. And so um, it is It is probably the main tool to go to mm -hmm. uh, before, I mean, of course, the other things are important too. <laughs> we all need to breathe and mindful breath. We know all that. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of um, mindlessness that goes on with food. Like we don't think of it, you know, where people are moving towards, uh, I think we're getting away from it now, but understanding that a calorie isn't a calorie. It doesn't, you can't just put anything in your body and it be the same as putting, you know, something healthy, a healthy hundred calories as opposed to an unhealthy hundred calories, not the same function in your body. <laughs> Absolutely. So what are some foods, what are some seasonal fall 
foods that both of you recommend for the fall and what specifically are you loving the most and gravitating towards right now? Well, it's really cool because again, like I said, most things um, you'll see a color shift, right? Especially if you go to a farmer's market and you can really see that the grocery store will stay the same year round. <laughs> they might have the sale bins out front, which will tell you what's in season. It's full of squash right now, right? So that's a really good indicator. Eating seasonally is also actually cheaper. Um, but, um, but when you really see these seasonal foods, so you see this color change from lots of, you know, greens and pretty much the whole rainbow in the, the summer to now it's more selective. Um, they're a little bit darker, we have these pumpkins and squash um, and then everyone, you know, of course is wanting to run to their local coffee shop and get their pumpkin spice latte of some sort. Um, but that in itself is a craving for this grounding energy. Um, so between, you know, these heavy pumpkin squash, right, are literally going to help ground you uh, versus a zucchini. That's a squash, but it's really light. It's good for summer. Um, so that stuff's going to help ground everything, you know, too, will be buried in, in roots like ginger and garlic and onions, right? Lots of potatoes. Things are going to be underground beets, all of these things. They're also going to be hard and dense. Um, so these are all things that are, are growing now in this fall to winter season, but the spices are there too. You know, the, the pumpkin spice latte, the cinnamon, the, you know, they're all really hearty and warming and grounding, um, you know, incredibly nourishing for the immune system, antiseptic, antiviral, antimicrobial, just so many health benefits. And so, and it warms the body, it circulates the blood. We want this blood circulation to happen because it naturally happens in the summer when we're hot. But as we move into the fall and the winter, it starts to cool and to slow down. We wanna keep that circulation going. So these warming herbs and spices are great for that too. So, so we really just kind of look at kind of the whole gamut of what we're craving and then what that actually means and how to look for that in a real food too. Yeah, and our fruit changes too, right? So we're moved from our our juicy, watery melons and our peaches and plums that were so cooling and hydrating in the summer. And now we're moving into more of those dense fruits of apples and pears and pomegranates and things like this. Um, and again, like it's changing the whole energetic of that kind of food is, is changing. And um, we're also, these foods are very prebiotic. So we hear a lot about probiotics these days. Um, but, you know, our bodies create our own probiotics. We make our own microbiome um, and we're constantly creating this. And the uh, foods that our microbiome, the healthy part of our microbiome loves to feed on are these squashes and apples, all these really, um, you know, dense foods where it kind of stays around in the belly a little bit longer and has something to munch on, right? So um, in the same way that we're getting this grounding feeling, we're getting all this comfort food, um, we're also building up our immunity as we move into winter. So it's like this one-stop shop. I mean, like our bodies know how to, uh, you know, like the earth has got our back. We just have to use it, right? And if you pay a little more attention, I think the average person will notice what they crave. What they actually crave is really what nature has to offer. So I know this summer, 
Um, I'm in New England, but we don't have air conditioning here. So there was no kind of reprieve from the heat. You know, when it was hot, it kind of stayed hot and and it was aggravating because that's what happens when you get hot. And I couldn't get enough tomatoes, cucumbers, watermelon, um, like crispy uh, romaine lettuce, things like that. I just was craving, craving, craving raw, crunchy juicy, hydrating salads, cooling salads. And then literally like the flip of a switch as the seasons begin to shift. Now, what I've been craving are more cooked, warm foods. So it's so kind of to what you're both saying, it's not just the foods that you're eating, but it's also how you're cooking and preparing them, right? So in the summer, um, things can be more raw, but in the fall and the winter, we're looking more towards warming and cooking and adding those spices to kind of, um, again, achieve that sort of grounding and, and stabilizing type feeling. Um, and so some other benefits of eating seasonal other than health, just general health, I mean, um, digestion, right. Would be one, your body digests food more, um, appropriately during, you know, when you're eating seasonally, um, like you just mentioned, Kara, immune support, your body is getting what it needs for that season. What are some other, some other kind of um, reasons you might eat seasonally? I mean, like Megan, you just said too, it's um, maybe cheaper. A lot of what's seasonal is actually on sale. So I think eating seasonally, people often think, um, you know, boutique or something like that, or maybe that farmer's markets are a little more expensive. Um, so it's actually can be cheaper when you're truly eating seasonally. So what are some what are just some benefits of eating seasonally other than those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're touching on so many of them because it, like there are so many benefits is kind of, um, I guess, uh, trendy as it's gotten to say, I eat local, you know, and, and of course, like you said, that sounds like it has a bougie price tag associated with it. But when you really go to CSAs, community supported agriculture, you know, you can get a box of veggies for like $15, you know, it's, it's really, we're not breaking the bank here. Um, you know, it's usually on the other stuff that we are, it's the meats, the things like that, that should be expensive, um, usually are the things even at the grocery store that kind of get us. It's the veggies aren't usually the culprit. Um, but, um, but yeah, so kind of going back to, you know, the benefits of seasonal eating as well is like Kara was touching on with the microbiome, you know, these little microorganisms are in the soil, right? And it's not the same little microorganisms that are there in the middle of the summer that are gonna be there in the middle of winter when there's snow on the ground. Mm. They're very different. Some die off, new ones evolve, and they're changing constantly. So when we're getting a carrot from a farmer who lives in our area, it's gonna have microscopic little microorganisms on there which contribute to our microbiomes. When we eat that, we also say, don't peel your vegetables. Don't even worry about it. You don't need to waste your time. Just rinse it off, keep all those little microscopic guys on there and your gut is gonna benefit. So this is a direct correlation to eating seasonal and how you get your microbiome in that rhythm of the season. Mm -hmm. So this will benefit you so greatly as we transition. And if we get stuck in a season, say like right now, if we're still eating like summertime kind of foods, 
those aren't going to be growing very naturally. So that probably means it's going to be coming from some conventional farm that has tons of, you know, herbicides and pesticides and very poor quality soil that's going to kill off a lot of those things that 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 food isn't as alive. Um, so when we eat it, we're not eating a food that we're going to benefit as much from. And that transition for us, again, isn't going to happen. So all of a sudden, this this movement, right? We, Karen and I talk about it being like a wave in the ocean. If you just stand there like a board and expect to be like, I'm just gonna do the same thing I've been doing all the time because it worked for me then, I'm gonna keep eating my salads and my grilled chicken breast and it's gonna work for me now. This next wave comes and it pushes you over, right? But if you duck and dive and dip under that wave and you go with the flow and you change and you go with that, now this new season comes in we're not going to be getting sick. These cold and flus are usually the, um, the, the downside of not changing and being rigid and eating the same thing all year long. Mm. We want to change with that because the, the energy changes, the nutrients change and all of it. Yeah. And actually I, uh, unfortunately next week is my last week of my CSA because in new England, we have one, CSA season and it goes from June through October. Maybe they'll do a little extension into November with some really, really amazing kind of Thanksgiving-y type squash and things like that. Um, but I um, got some, I've had, I just recently got some carrots in mine. And also when you're eating seasonally, in addition to everything we're talking about, the food just tastes better. So mm -hmm. I will literally straight out of from farmer's hand to mine, eat the carrot, just like munch on it like I'm a horse. And it's because it just tastes better. It literally tastes better. And when food tastes better, um, you are less likely to add a whole bunch of other crap to it to make it taste good. Um, you don't need as much and you can really enjoy and again, build that relationship with the food and the appreciation for the food, it's just a whole nother level when you even incorporate a couple seasonal items from your local farm. Not only um, are you getting all, you know, all of that microbiome beneficial bacteria that is absolutely perfectly attuned to you where you live in this season, like the soil, if, if you're going to an organic farm, they're not going to be using GMOs. Nothing's going to be affecting it. They're going to have really pure, good soil. Um, it's just going to taste better too, right? And I think that's something people forget is like having it taste better is just like, I don't know. Like I'm sure this happens to you guys all the time where you're cooking something and you're like, wow, this is like the most carroty carrot I've ever had. Like it's just so good. <laughs> You know, it's like, it blows my mind sometimes. And this season, actually, we got, a, we got, um, we got uh, a bunch of turnips and they were smaller turnips. They kind of looked like radishes. I don't know what the specific name was, but um, they weren't the big kind of root turnips yet. They're the smaller ones. And Nick, my husband, he was like, this is my most favorite vegetable now. Turnips, freaking turnips. You know what I mean? And who knew? And you don't know until you start investigating, you start getting curious and you start trying new things. Yeah. And you're right. It doesn't, the vegetable tastes so good. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had people over for dinner and they're like, oh my gosh, what'd you put in these Brussels sprouts or, you know, how do you make those root veggies? It's like, 
olive oil, salt, and pepper. Like there's nothing, it's the vegetable that tastes that good. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's, I don't know, I guess, you know, people were raised from a generation where they cooked their vegetables until they were dead. Um, and so it's kind of like this rediscovery of like, oh, they actually taste good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. Straight from the farmer is like a whole nother level of taste good. And I remember I recently got spinach and I got so in the habit of, you know, always keeping those clamshells of organic spinach, but the baby spinach where you can just throw it in. It's so easy. And then I got spinach from my CSA and I was like, oh, right. Like this is what spinach tastes like. It was just the deepest, earthiest, spinachy spinach I've ever tasted. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love it. And I feel like when you get to the point where you can appreciate that, you notice it, you know, you're not so mindlessly eating or consuming or moving so fast that you don't notice. Like again, going back to the energetics of food and the mindfulness and the practice of food and cooking and that relationship that we can have. um, I feel like when you begin to notice that, like that is such a beautiful thing and it's so easy. It's so easy to overlook. Yeah, I think because there's been a lot of numbing, literally, that's gone on um, in the last, you know, half a century of like, you know, just looking at the taste buds, numbing of the taste buds, really over amplifying sweetness, um, savory, right, in forms of MSG. And of course, that got a really bad name. So they no longer label it as that. But trust me, it's in almost every packaged food item that has a savory flavor, even the bone broths that are in those cartons, right? It could go as rosemary extract. It has all these different names because we're used to this hyper, hyper flavor, the salty, all of that. It throws us so off. And of course, especially children, which is so tragic. So they are never at that reset baseline. They've always been in this high, high stimulation. It just numbs it out. So then by the time you eat something that's natural, you go, oh, that's really bland because you can't taste it anymore. You, you've lost that. It's like everything's been numbed. So it does take some time, especially if you are used to those you know, types of stimulating flavors on the tongue you do have to readjust the palate. It does take a bit of time, but in doing that, now all of a sudden you bite into that carrot and you go, oh, I can tell the difference between the store-bought and the farmer's market. And holy crap, that is really good. You know, you've made it when you feel that. Yeah. And can I just touch on too, um, I mean, just in awareness, like just when we think about meat practices um like I've been getting farm meat for so long and you know when my when it comes it'll say in the newsletter it's like the pigs were finished on peaches this month so look for hints of peaches in the meat like you can so like you you know you're not just what you eat you are what you eat eats right when it comes to meat um and I recently, um, my husband went and bought like some Wagyu steaks. We were going to have like special whatever. And um, I took one bite of it and all I can taste was corn. It was like, like the meat tasted like corn to me. And I was like, ew. (laughs) And I mean, he thought, I mean, I think it was really good on like normal palate steak tasters. Um, Cause you're used to that corn flavor, but it made me realize how um, I was sensitized to, I'm like, now I know what grass fed meat tastes like. 
and I can't even, it's like I take a bite of it and it just tastes off to me, which is kind of. Crazy. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't eat a whole lot of meat, but I'm going to see if I notice <laughs> anything next time. Um, wow. That's super wild. Yeah. And I, like I said, I don't eat a lot of meat, but I actually have started eating more now that I'm getting it from local farms because it just tastes better. I know it's healthier. Um, my thing with meat is I just have never really had a taste for it so much. Um, it just kind of, I just kind of can be off put about it, but when I know it's from a really quality source and, you know, it's a happy cow or whatever, happy chickens, then I, you know, feel a lot better eating it and it certainly tastes better, you know? Well, and it's much, it's much more nutrient dense when it's grown that way. And so we need less of it, which is really nice because we don't make that the star of our meals. It's kind of just incorporated. Um, and I'll never forget this is such a great story and, and proves the point. Um, my son, when he was really young, um, he could take one of those roaster chickens from the supermarket and like slurp it down. He's like, like, he just like eat the entire chicken. I mean, he was like nine or 10 at this point. Right. And I started ordering from our farm and I made this chicken one day of like, it was the first time we had our like a real farm raised chicken and all that. And he ate like one chicken thigh at dinner and he was like, I'm full. And he didn't know that like, you know, like it was just different and he, he was done. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, you know, that was, there was just so much more density in that. Yes. Um, So, you know, people say, oh, well, it's so expensive to get meat that way, but like, you really don't need as much of it. And we certainly don't need it all the time. We don't need it every day. We don't need it every week, but, um, but you know, it does, it is nice knowing where it comes from. It's nice knowing where it come from, comes from. And it's nice knowing that every bite you're taking is full of nutrition. It's not just to fill you up. Right. right. Which kind of goes exactly. back to a lot of, you know, the numbing type practices that we have developed over time through just our, you know, quote, modern food system. Um, that I think a lot of what we're talking about is going back to the roots, right? Going back to nature, going back to the basics. And it really can be simple, but it for can be simple, seasonal. Um, but I feel like for a lot of people that can feel so far away. But I think when you start with a few small things, so what would maybe be just like a couple easy entry points for someone who is a little bit overwhelmed, doesn't know where to start, um, what would you recommend? Well, it's always, Karen, I always say start where you're at. So, um, you know, I think one good question would be how often do you cook for yourself? Um, You know, that one can vary person to person. If you can cook for yourself more often, adding another day or two into the calendar of the week, um, you know, really setting it as a priority. I know that also, you know, some people think, oh, you have to love cooking in order to cook. Um, I do love cooking, but I will tell you, I don't love cooking every day. Um, but I know it's a priority, just like I don't love brushing my teeth, but I do that twice a day because I know I need to. So it's a necessity. It's not really a choice. We've kind of put it out there as a choice for people. Um, but then we see what their health turns out to be. So it's really when you are wanting to be empowered and take charge of your health, 
that's kind of the first place to start is cooking for yourself. And then of course you can take that further and you can say, okay, what are the quality of the ingredients that I'm cooking? You know, let's look into the seasons. What's in season right now. If I want it to be cheaper. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, let's shop those specials at the, the grocery store because, and, and shop the perimeter of the grocery store too. Right. That's like a Michael Pollan mm-hmm. trick, right? So we want to stay out of the aisles because that's where all the packaged food is. Um, you know, doing those small adjustments makes a huge difference. And just like we were talking about at the intro, you know, it's like little by little, these things start to open themselves up. So we could talk about so many different aspects within health and healing and this holistic, huge umbrella all day long, Mm -hmm. but, um, just dipping your toe into a little piece and then it starts to open up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would just say, start where you're at, find something that is a doable, livable thing for you to do. And then just go from there. Really. I'd also add in um, adding variety um, because variety is really key. So, um, you know, if you're always like, oh, I eat vegetables, but like you always have broccoli or asparagus. And that's usually the typical, like, you know, someone would be like, oh, I made steak and potatoes. I'm like, where's your vegetables? Like, oh, well, I steamed some broccoli. Like I'm saying it with him because I knew that was what was going to come out because broccoli and asparagus are so, you know, common. Um, Like, let's shake it up. You know, a lot of times I do, um, I do supermarket tours with people and they're ready to zoom right through that produce aisle. And I'm like, wait, you're missing like the turnips. Like you didn't even know your husband's favorite vegetable is a turnip. And it's like, I walked by them for 20 years and like never looked at them. You know, um, there's so many vegetables. There's so many varieties. Um, and that really is the key to great health because we can't, we need a variety. Right. Um, and so I think there's, there's some sort of statistic out there. Like we're supposed to eat 40 different plants a week, um, which sounds Uh like a lot, but when you start, but you think about herbs, right? Like, oh, well I put fresh thyme or, or, you know, there's garlic, there's onion, like there's, there's so many, it adds up pretty quickly. Um, But it really is important to vary up the the foods you're eating and a CSA or a co-op is a great way to do that. But I know that's very overwhelming for some, if, if someone's just starting out. So to get this big box of things they don't know what to do with. So I would just say like, start with one vegetable. They've never, you know, try a new vegetable a week. Mm -hmm. I think those are really good tips. And obviously you guys, um, which I'll share more about how people can connect with you kind of at the end, but you have an awesome cookbook, the simply seasonal cookbook, which goes season by season. There's recipes in there. They are simple. Um, in fact, I made the veggie curry earlier this week. I had some leftovers for lunch. That is a staple for me in any of the cold months is some sort of version of a veggie curry, which is so, so simple. Almost anyone can do it. Um, and you guys also have your simply seasonal cooking show. You have 52 episodes, one episode per week for the whole year where literally whatever the week is of the year, someone could go to that episode and say, okay, I'm going to try something new. Is it the episode on apples? Is it the episode on spices? Is it the episode on, you know, et cetera. Um, so I think that could also be a really good place for anyone to check out. Cause that's some really amazing content that you guys have created that I think can live on forever and ever. And people can continue to revisit. Um, I think you guys have done such a great job of making that really approachable because there is so much. There's endless things that we can talk about, right? When it comes to food, oh my gosh, there's so many. 
Um, so one, one other thing I wanted to um, ask you guys both about kind of looping a little bit back to the energetics of food are is just talking about cooking as a grounding practice as even a spiritual practice. So um, and those are my words, but what what is cooking for you? You know, um, I mean, cooking has is so rooted in history. Um, obviously, it has such an alignment with nature, just the act of feeding someone of cooking with love. We've all heard that it's healing, there's, you know, positivity, and there's kind of slowing down involved with cooking. So um, what does what is cooking look and feel like as kind of a, a spiritual even type practice for either of you? Yeah, I mean, that's there's like, you're just naming there's so many aspects of it. And, um, and in the fall, like we've kind of touched on like, these foods need to be cooked, like you can't you don't want to cut open a raw pumpkin and like just start gnawing on it. It's so gross. But if you roast it, I mean, how delicious is that, you know, um, and even the herbs and the spices, they're dense, you know, basil was in the summer, you can eat that raw. Um, but rosemary, I mean, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> like these foods want to be cooked. Also meat really wants to be cooked this time of year. So, um, braising, roasting so that it's falling apart. You don't, you don't need a knife all winter long because you could just take it with your fork. Right. And it falls right off. Um, you know, because this is a slowing down period of time and our body need time to rest and not just, I mean, yes, sleep is so important, um, but a seasonal time to rest months of resting, um, in this kind of slowing way, because when we cook foods that are nice and they've cooked for a long period of time, you put it in the crock pot, you put it in the oven, whatever it is, and it takes time, you get that time back into your own body. So whatever you invest in your food, you get right back. So when we go out to the, the restaurants or fast food, that stuff's fast, it's going to move through you fast and be out of you fast, and then you're going to need something else. And it's fast energy and it's not restorative grounding energy that we especially need for the fall and the winter. And so this is that time when we allow the body to slow down. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to prep, get stuff ready in the kitchen, but we need that. That's the self-love, the slowing down. Um, and then we're going to, our health is going to benefit from that because what that allows is when the food is cooked and falling apart and in a beautiful soup or stew or anything, now the body, it's going to be able to digest it so much easier, especially if you have gut conditions. This is really important. Your body is going to be able to digest so simply. And then now it has extra time to go and heal and go and clean up and take care of your body, right? Because it's not sitting there breaking down a grilled chicken breast and a raw salad, which it had the energy to do in the summertime. But in the fall and the winter, it really loves to be able to have that oh, thanks so much. You cooked that stew for me. Thank you. This will be so quick and easy, nourishing, warming, right? Getting your blood flowing. So all these functions can happen so much easier. And I, now the body has time to go fix that back pain, that arthritis, that, you know, organ system that's not working properly, the hormones that are out of balance, the gut that's been, you know, permeated and we have leaky gut all of those things can start to heal and repair during this time of year. So that's a really important aspect of it for sure. 
That's so fascinating. And I, one other kind of thing I was thinking as well, when it comes to food and kind of having this practice, um, even spiritual practice with cooking and nourishing yourself is how it can benefit your levels of stress and how it can benefit your nervous system, especially at a time, anytime can be stressful for people, but especially right now, I feel like so many people could use as many ways to ground and to kind of unravel their nervous system and to de-stress and cooking and being aligned and in tune with nature and what's happening is such a great way um, to do that as well. Yeah, I agree. If, if cooking is stressful to you, then it's very important to get comfortable with it. I work with clients who just are stressed out chopping something because they haven't properly learned how to chop and use a knife, right? And like watching that progress of like, look how fast I can do this now. And it's like, yeah, that does make it less stressful when it takes you 10 minutes to chop up an onion when I could do it in 30 seconds. Um, I could see how that could be stressful because you need much more time. So, you know, start really small. I mean, we always say like, you don't have to be Martha Stewart, right? Like you don't need this complex, like all of our recipes in our cookbook are super simple. Um, we try to use as little ingredients as possible. You know, a lot of it's just, you know, what we, what's lying around from the co-op and um, what's in the garden. And, um, you know, if necessary, it's just taking that, cauliflower, chopping it up, oil, salt, and pepper, and put it in the oven. And even just smelling that, like, so to have the smells, to have cut it up yourself, to like go through that whole process, and it's not complicated. And then you pull that out of the oven, and oh my gosh, you can eat that roasted cauliflower like popcorn, right? Mm. It's like so delicious. So you get that the full experience. Um, and so even if it's as simple as that, and not you know, making chicken cordon bleu, like I'm just saying, roast a sweet potato in the oven, like, or, you know, just keep it super, super simple until you get more comfortable and keep adding in things. And it really does become meditative. Um, you realize like, oh, wow, I just spent all that time, like, with myself at home, um, you know, play some music that makes you happy. Um, or sit in silence if that makes you happy, if you're needing quiet time, um, you know, sipping on a glass of wine is very relaxing as well while you're cooking, um, you know, make it your time. I was just going to say you can create your own ritual around it, right? Yeah. What, what do you want your cooking experience to look and feel like? if you live with someone to be able to sit down and have that be kind of a, you know, more non-negotiable kind of way that you eat, you eat together. That's how humans, humans are communal creatures. We, we need to be in community. We need to be together. So that's another aspect of it. That is such a ritual that, um, you know, it feeds the soul, you know, and, and sometimes when you eat food, you're like, wow, that was soul food that just like, you know, was so nourishing because it was made with love, great ingredients, and was probably shared with some person or a group of people. And so the more we can really do that, absolutely, it is, it is so much of this, this spiritual connection, this soul fulfilling connection that we have, again, numbed ourselves to detached from lost from. Um, so coming back to that, there is so many benefits to it for your health, um, 
mental uh, clarity, spiritual soul, everything. So there's so much there. And not to underestimate Kara, like you said, keeping it simple, like roasting cauliflower, just that aroma and of our five senses, aroma is the first sense that people notice. And it's such a strong one. And it's one that can really then be anchored into memories. So think of also not only the experience that you're receiving, smelling that roasted cauliflower as it's beginning to break down and cook with whatever spices, even if it's just salt and pepper um, in the oven, but then like whoever you're cooking for, maybe they're coming home or coming downstairs. Like think of that um, again, like nervous system unwinding that you're creating just from cooking food for you or for from whoever is going to be joining you, you know? So the sense of smell, I think is really something pretty interesting. We, we forget that part, but cool. you know, just from smelling the smells of the food is preparing your body. You start to salivate, you start to uh, release digestive enzymes as you're waiting and preparing um, to eat that food just from the smell of it. So yeah, yeah, it's all very important. And I think really a lot of what we're talking about too, is this concept of like being fed versus nourished. And I know Megan, you've told me a story before about um, one of the professors that we had in college. Um, who, and I'll let you tell the story because I'd love to hear it again. But that difference between the fast food moving fast and that energy, that's just getting fed. But what does it mean to be nourished? And that's not just from a physical body health perspective. It's mind, body and spirit. Um, And we can also, like you'll probably describe, like look to other cultures as to how they interact with food and how as Americans, we have lost so many of us, most of us have completely lost or, or, you know, generationally have never had any sort of attachment to food. Because, you know, when you go, what's the, the food of the United States? And you go, hmm, I guess just like burgers and ham, you know, like hot Pizza. dogs. But then when you go, what's the food of India? What's the food of Mexico? What's the food of Italy? Like Japan, China, like you're going, whoa, thousands of years back, right? So we've, we literally, unfortunately, slashed and burned when we came to this country and we have no roots and grounding, which I think has a lot of to do with our instability a lot. Um, as a country, we don't have this home to kind of go back to these foods and everything to go back to. And, and like you were mentioning with um, our professor from college, she was an anthropologist, went to Africa and um, did an ethnography, lived with a tribe in Africa for two years. And she was looking at the nutritional intake that they were receiving from their, the way that they ate and grew their food. So in, in Africa, there's a lot of corn, um, very interesting story of, of how that, that kind of goes on economically and politically, um, and, and grains, right? So of course there's one season for that, which is kind of right now it's this harvest season, um, during the harvest season, they would eat, you know, all the corn, all the grains, breads, you know, all that kind of stuff and feel very full right? And very satisfied. And so when she would be speaking to them, they would say, yes, you know, my belly's full, I'm full, you know, all of that. Um, But then when they moved into this foraging season, when they didn't have that anymore, they had to forage, they would have to go find roots and tubers and berries and nuts and seeds and all of these things. Their bellies weren't full, 
But what she noticed after crunching all of her data was that that's where they got their nutrition from was those foraging seasons. So they might not be sitting there with a full belly, which yes, can feel very nice and does calm your nervous system, but their nutrition was completely different. So what I did understanding that was applying it to today. And I said, well, that's what we're seeing here in the United States in our modern Western world. We're seeing this actual malnourishment through full bellies. So we have a full belly, yet we are malnourished. So what we actually need to do is ask ourselves, are we just filling a void, right? Or are we nourishing? Very, very different things. And I always would say, if someone came into a doctor's office and the doctor said, you're obese, you know, all of that, you're overweight, that's like, okay, well, what do I do now? Like, it's kind of just like a you know, okay, I don't know what to do. If you were to say, actually, you're malnourished. Oh, that immediately has the answer right there. Uh, The foods I'm eating aren't nourishing my body properly. So that has the answer right there. We're actually dealing with this malnourishment across the board um, in our Western worlds of just filling ourselves rather than really nourishing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I know this season, all seasons, but this season, especially, and as we begin to move into winter, even though we're just getting into fall, immune system and immune support are of interest to people. They're a hot topic. They're something that most people could use more support with. Um, I know you guys have an awesome cooking for COVID cookbook, which for whether it's COVID or another virus or just general immune support and eating through the fall and winter, I I think it is such a great resource. So um, that is something for people to look at. But in terms of immune support, do you have any kind of, um, you know, kind of quick things to share that um, people should look into, should consider, or should kind of begin to integrate? Um, I mean, I would say I was looking at Kara thinking maybe I know I was like, are read you my go? mind. Um, no, I was actually just gonna have her maybe talk about um, something like fire cider is really cool. She makes her own at home. Um, not that you have to, you know, go do all of that stuff right now. Um, seasonal eating, like we've been talking about, is going to be so beneficial to that. But I was thinking maybe Kara could talk a little bit about about that because there's so many ingredients in there that are immune boosting and antiviral. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. So fire cider is basically apple cider vinegar that has been marinated for, I'll usually marinate it for about a month or so before I start using it. Um, But it has ginger, garlic. So this is basically, here's immunity like in a in a concoction. Um, It's got ginger, garlic, horseradish, rosemary, lemon, onion, black pepper. It's like every jalapenos, basically every home remedy you've ever thought of um, for any kind of sickness. Um, And so you soak it all up in there and then plus the apple cider vinegar has that probiotic. It's the live apple cider vinegar. So it's got the probiotic aspect as well. So um, I will use that as like a little, you know, pick me up um, if I'm, if I'm feeling a little bit off. Uh, But all of those foods that I just mentioned, so we cook over the winter, we're cooking with tons of onion and garlic and um, ginger and 
uh, turmeric and um, all of these foods are really pungent and um, help the immune system for sure. Um, and we're always cooking with those through the winter. And also boost as well. So I also make my own sauerkraut and kimchi and all these things, but now they're so available in the stores. Um, but having the food is way more beneficial than going and taking a probiotic pill. Um, there's, there's just, I, th I think they say there's a hundred, 10,000 times more probiotics in a quarter cup of homemade sauerkraut than there is an entire bottle of probiotics. Cause you just don't know how many will transfer over, survive, live. Um, and again, you're getting it straight. It's the, uh, what is the synergy, right? So you're getting it straight from the source and the food. Is preventative healthcare. Right. So yeah. if we're looking at winter, if we're saying, okay, well, what do I do now to be prepared for winter? Focus on now, focus on what's happening in the fall, cook seasonally. Right. Right. Because right. what we were talking about, how all the fall foods are these prebiotic foods. So you're basically building up your microbiome. Like that is your first, that's your first, um, line of defense for your body. So in anything, any kind of pathogen, virus, bacteria comes into your body, whether it's through your nose, you eat it, whatever, um, that is your microbiome. It hits your microbiome first. And so, I mean, we're fighting it all the time and we just don't know it because we're awesome and we have that line of defense. And when that breaks down is when we start to see a little bit more sickness come into life. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and like you were saying too, it really is, um, you know, a lot of times we feel, oh, I'm starting to come down to something. Let me start taking vitamin C or whatever. We always say, eh, it's a little too late. You know, of course, anything, I guess at that point can help maybe, but uh, when we think about, for example, vitamin C, vitamin D, really important nutrients for your immune system so plentiful in the summer, right? Vitamin D from the sun. If we're outside every day absorbing that vitamin D, we're getting our vitamin C from all of those veggies and fruits and things like that now, and all the antioxidants as well that can help repair and replenish. As we go through these darker months, we have this energy store with us. We're ready to go. And then, you know, we start snacking on the pumpkin seeds that are full of zinc, right. That are going to be really grounding and incredible for the immune system. Um, so, so again, like this is where nature is just naturally supporting you if you allow it to. So we got to allow nature to support us um, and, and just trust the wisdom of the body. The body is so incredibly wise. It's always wanting to heal and repair itself. We just have to give it the chance. And we mention a lot of these different types of recipes and, and tools and things in our Cooking for COVID cookbook, because that's what we use to know, okay, these symptoms are telling us these things are needed in the body. So this is how we know how to address that just from your home kitchen, right? So instead of doing nothing and feeling helpless, you can do a lot to help to support the body. Mm -hmm. So getting in tune, getting in line with nature, what's already available, what our, our bodies already know how to do and, and being aware that, that that's accessible to us and it's possible if we just kind of pay a little bit more attention um, and maybe connect a bit more to our natural environment, right? And I think maybe that is kind of a good place to begin to wrap up. Um, if folks want to buy your cookbook, 
check out your stuff, work with you, connect with you? Where do they do that? How? It's simply dashseasonal.com. And there's a whole tab just of all of our cookbooks that you that are available. Um, they're all available on ebook, so digitally. And then our cookbook is also available um, in real life, <laughs> paper copy. And the nice thing too is, is when you go there, um, you have access to all 52 of our episodes as well, and that directly correlates with our cookbook. So. When you get the cookbook, it'll have the link down below. And so you can see that episode that correlates with that recipe. Um, so we kind of, we explain, you know, whether we're talking about heart conditions or hormone imbalances or gut health, whatever we're talking about is in that episode that you're cooking, you know, that squash recipe for the fall. So we talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so great. And there, the videos are only about five minutes long and there is so much information packed into everyone. One of these videos. So um, I know people who have watched them over and over and they go, oh, did you do a new one? You know, they pick up new things every time they see it. I go, no, that's the same video you watched last year or whatever. And uh, so there is a lot to unravel in each video. So, um, you know, we, we've got a lot of, of morsels in there. So check them out. Yeah. So when in doubt, go check it out and see, um, see what's available there. Um, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you guys want to chat about or you were hoping to bring up or anything like that? No, um, just to let let your people listening know too, we have some uh, workshops coming up so um, that all of our events are always on our website as well. So um, we have one on gut healing, we have a fall workshop coming up. So if you're listening to this in the right timing, I like to end on a few rapid fire questions, um, nature inspired questions. Um, so I will give like a this or that, and you don't even have to think about it too much. You can just mention whichever one comes to mind that resonates with you the most, um, sunrise or sunset. Sunset. I love to sleep. Yeah, I would say the same, even though every time I see a sunrise, I'm just like, oh, to do this every day would be like life changing. <laughs> oh, my so, God, it gosh, is. I know. I know you're a sunrise person. I'm there. a sunriser. I don't do it. Every, I definitely don't do it every day, not even every week, but I do try to do it as much as possible. And it is a day shifter yeah. for sure. A good sunset is awesome, but I'm a sunrise girl. Um, underwater or on the ground? On the ground. Hmm. I'm not a water person. <laughs> That's a hard one. I'm a Capricorn, so I like both. <laughs> like the fish and the goat, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I love both. I you love can do both. both. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little bit of both, but I'm more of an on the ground girl. Mm-hmm. Stargazing or sunbathing? Stargazing. Yeah. I hide from the sun. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I sunbathe often and I don't stargaze enough. So I would say stargazing. (laughs) Cool. A colorful landscape or earth tone? Earth. (laughs) Earth tone. Mm -hmm. Me too. I'm all about hiking in the mountains and I guess that's all earthy. Yes. And the last one, the coast or the mountains? The mountains. Oh, same kind of thing, but I, I've, I'm so sorry. Oh, Megan, you're a boat girl. (laughs) I know, but I need the mountains too. I really do. (laughs) They call me. That's why she's a California girl. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I know. They're so close. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. I think I'm more mountains so though. That Capricorn goat. I just want to be hooves in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to be really grounded. Up on um, the peak. Our, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, all right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I loved this conversation. I feel like we could have talked for five hours. Um, perhaps I'll have, we'll have to do this again and, and kind of dig into some of these topics a bit more. Um, I really enjoyed it. And again, for anyone listening, go to simply-seasonal.com and connect with them. They're on Instagram at Simply Seasonal Cooking Show. Um, connect with them there. And just thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Mayor. This was really fun. Thanks, Meredith. And before we close out, I just wanted to share with you a gift for you to celebrate the launch of the podcast. And that is, for a limited time, you can take $30 off my Nature as Ceremony Meditative Solo Study with promo code PODCAST30. And that's PODCAST in all caps, three, zero. So it'll make it just 49 bucks, which is what, a week or two worth of lattes or matchas or juices or smoothies, whatever it is, it's 49 bucks. And Nature Ceremony is the perfect place to begin to cultivate and create awareness around your own personal regrounding practice. And I swear it will serve you in everything that you do in your life. So if you want to learn more about that, go to meredithhewinson.com slash natureisceremony. And that's where you can enter the promo code podcast 30 for 30 bucks off. And the wait list is open for my custom regrounding meditations. So these are one of a kind. They're made just for you. I ask a few nature inspired questions so I can get a vibe and a feel of what it is that you want to experience. And then I create a 20 minute meditation just for you. And the intention is to just bring alive the world for you that drops you into your most grounded space so that you can receive, you can experience, you can allow, you can listen to this meditation anytime that you need to reground back to you so that you can feel clear, calm, and content anytime, anywhere that you need it. So if you want more info on that, you can find it at meredithhewinson.com. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Daily Regrounding Podcast. If you loved it, I would be so grateful for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening, as well as share it with a friend. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, meredithewinson.com, and have a look at my current nature-inspired meditation, mindfulness, and movement offerings. I'd love for you to connect with me on Instagram, at meredithewinson. Thanks again for listening. And remember, with just one breath, one moment of awareness or one step into nature, you can reground. ground